Welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. This is Ted DeMaison. And I am Lisa Rowland. Uh, this is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. That's right. <laughs> this episode, we're talking about filters, people. Filters. Yep. Coffee ca- filters, air filters. That's right. Oil filters. Oil filters. Baleen. Baleen. Yeah. On whales. On whales. One interesting thing about these filters that I think was something that's cool about them is that sometimes sometimes we filter things that are that are we are putting out in the world, but we also filter what we take in in helpful and harmful ways. And uh-huh. we start to talk a little bit about that. We're exploring all of that, yeah, the whole range of so, filtration. Yeah. So uh, yeah, whatever your whatever your uh, screens are that need cleaning and scrubbing, maybe you'll get the chance to hear some of that today. We hope it's useful, <laughs> helpful. We sure do. We sure hope you like it. Scrub it up to the people. Okay. <laughs> bubble, bubble up. I like the idea of talking about filters. Why do you like it? Because it's a refinement of something that we talked about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. This, maybe even like the second episode, this tension in improvisation and mindfulness about having an impulse, wanting to follow it, wanting to honor it, and getting tuned into this creative surge flowing through us that I think is like life. Mm-hmm. And making peace with that, it's okay. We don't have to control ourselves or judge ourselves like it's good mm-hmm. this thing that come, moves through us is life itself and that normally would take a pause in mindfulness we take a pause because we say maybe we don't want that raw unconscious force moving through us we're civilized human beings or we don't want to act on it or we don't want to act on it. Like we're it's make, moving but we don't want yeah. to respond to it and we're going to make choices so this is like this fundamental tension in these two traditions that so often are in alignment so we talked a lot about that in that episode, which I loved. And this sounds like uh, like it's a refinement. A it's a cousin. It's a neighbor. It's there's some some familiarity, and yet I think we're going to be able to explore new nooks and crannies with it. So I'm really excited to hear what you say, and I've got some interesting questions I've been thinking about in relation to the to the notion of filters. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm excited. Cool. How about you? I, uh, I don't know exactly why I'm excited, but it feels like probably there's some juice in it. And mm. I, I think that there's one of the things that feels interesting is is this notion of, spo- in, in improv terms, sort of, I think it's the, the first job is removing most of the filters that life has put up in between you and your creativity, or, or rather you and your, the expression of your creativity. Which is really, I think, what creativity is. Maybe we've mm-hmm. talked about that. Is simply the removing of filters, not necessarily the cultivating of something new. Right. Just the the willingness to say what's there. So getting out of the way of that force. Getting out of the way of it. Yeah, exactly. So removing those filters, but that but that there are helpful filters, and this is to to reinstall. Yeah, or to to be aware of uh-huh. and to and to allow to be there. And some of those are content filters, like rather. Uh, filters that allow a story to be to feel coherent and then some mm. are, are filters that allow a space to remain safe mm, or safer yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like yeah it's important not to say things that objectify people or mm-hmm. are derogatory it's a, that's in those are important filters to have mm-hmm. 
we want those in place. Right. So figuring out where the line is between removing filters and allowing some filters to stay or reinstating filters and how that, where that line is drawn. And then the, but then there's another kind of, but there's another kind of filter that I think is interesting that maybe is more in the mindfulness part, but I'm interested in where these things join, which is what are you filtering your experience through? Like, so instead of output, it's input. Right. Like what are you, what is the screen that you put up between the world and yourself or your interpretation of the world that colors it. Yes. This is one of the key questions I was thinking. Yeah, I, was like, I think that's There are filters coming in and there are filters going out. Yeah. So let's go, let's come back to that one. Let's bookmark that. Great. Because I wanted to ask you about coming with the filters on creativity. You said that there are a lot of learning creativity or getting more creative it means removing the filters that we've placed on. Yeah. What are some of those what would you name those? Well, Johnstone would say that they are the fear of their fear. Okay. The filters born from fear of being, of of appearing unoriginal, appearing obscene, appearing psychotic. Mm-hmm. People will think I'm crazy. They will think I'm disgusting. They will think I'm boring. Uh, one of the things I find fascinating about that is that it's not as as much as it might be. I don't want to be those things. It's even more. I don't, I don't want to be seen. Yeah, as those I don't want things. to look yeah. those things. And, you know, and also, right, especially in teaching in in contexts like Stanford, I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to look, I don't want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do a thing that doesn't work because Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who does things that Mm -hmm. are right. My contributions are valuable and appropriate. Right. They won't make me seem less than. Yeah. Or look silly or not get it. Interesting. Is it like, is it, is that just the primary thing? block to our creativity is social approval that we want to be included right because it's like maybe i don't want to let it through because i think i'm not capable of what it's asking me to do right if my creativity is suggesting oh you need to be a worldwide speaker and i think i can't possibly do that i don't even know how i would approach that right i think that there's maybe some social that that's largely a social concern like if i can't do it then people aren't going to like me right or i'll I'll fail and then i'll be a failure and then i won't belong people will think i'm arrogant or yeah there was uh, so i talked about this last time the liz gilbert talk that i went to Mm -hmm. and she talked about writer's block oh because somebody who was during the q a session with the audience so somebody asked a question about writer's block and um she said i don't i don't buy it I don't think that that's a thing. And I think we dignify it by giving it a name, which it doesn't deserve. Because mm. I don't think writer's block is a thing that you come down with, like the flu. Like, I just don't buy it. So if somebody says that they have writer's block, I say, well, what are you afraid of? Mm. And that there's usually some fear, some fear that is stopping you from being able to continue. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that is that is strengthening the filter between what is actually happening and letting it be on the page, right? Mm-hmm. She was talking in the context of writing. Mm-hmm. But I love that idea that that oh, that we just have to name what we're afraid of, what we're afraid of, and that would back up this idea that the primary filter or the primary blocker or stopper between our creativity and the world is, yeah, fear of not. Belonging, of failing, of be, of, of not, of not belonging. I think I'm not being, being loved. cast out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that gets to what we talked about last episode of the vulner- willingness to be vulnerable and say, "Here I am. This is me, in all my imperfection." Yeah. Will you like it? Will you still like me? Yeah. Will you still want to hang out with me? Here's the thing. I made. I made this thing. This mm. is a new reflection of who I am on the inside. It's opening your little heart door. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not saying what you're afraid of. It's not saying what you're afraid of or sharing a struggle. It's sharing who you essentially are in a way, some piece of your essential identity or humanity. Yeah. That, oh my God, if somebody rejects that, right. I'm fucked, you know? <sighs> they reject who I am, who I am and what I am. Yeah. Do you find that there are arenas where you hold your voice more often? Where you hold don't, it back? Yeah, where you filter what you would normally feel an impulse to say. To say verbally? Mm-hmm. Whether on stage or in life? Certainly. I mean, yeah, but I'm trying to think if that f- feels like a creativity blocker. Mm. But maybe that's not what you're asking. Just like, when no, do I filter myself? Yeah, I wasn't necessarily thinking creativity. I was thinking like, you have an impulse to say or do something and it gets run through a screen a set of checks and balances like and then does it make it through the other side yeah i don't know i mean certainly but i can't yeah. think of a I, i'm i'm noticing that one of them for me is the buddhist frame of right speech mm-hmm. and so when people sometimes people ask me what religion i am i'm like i don't know but my pro a lot of my process is buddhist mm-hmm. and so i literally sometimes will when i'm thinking about saying something i'll say is this true is this kind does it need to be said before I say it? I like just wait. Mm-hmm. And then eventually if I decide yes to all three of those questions, then okay, I'll say it. Yeah. I think one of the filters, one of the filters that I apply in things like that conversations or meetings or whatever is, is this the right time for this question? Does it pull focus from what we actually need to be talking? Like oh, that's what an we actually filter, need right. to be talking about. Is this tangential? Is mm-hmm. this a, right? Like, so content wise, is this an appropriate time to bring this thing up? Will there be a better time to bring this up? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't go yeah. around just like spewing anything that comes to mind. Right. I also often will do a, it's, I'm sort of thinking of a computer analogy, but like a quick, it's almost like a Google internal search. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, what am I, what of this is mine? So, over the holidays, my family got together in Albuquerque. We had my dad, my stepmom, my mom, me, my brother, my sister my sister's new fiance, my two nephews, and my niece. And we were all playing Pictionary, and it got really kind of competitive, which is more so than we usually would. And it got kind of heated. And I found myself feeling really pissed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was wanting to tell everybody to just chill out. But I, my the impulse I had was to yell or like slam my fist on the table and be like, shut up! Yeah. And, but I sat for probably a couple minutes like, running through okay quickly and then i the image now is like typing into the google like what if my background is getting triggered here what if this is mine Ah. you know because i want to claim my own emotional creation of my upset yeah my agitation it might be because it's plucking something from the past that isn't related to now and i don't want to overreact i want my response to be to be the right size the right size for this moment yeah yeah and so I did that for a couple of minutes of like trying to, and eventually I was like, you know what? I need to say something Yeah. because nobody else is saying anything yeah. right now. And so I did, I spoke up and I raised my voice and somebody started to interrupt me and I like raised my voice even more. And I was like, no, 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 stop, yeah. stop. Yeah. We're not here to compete. We're here to be with each other. And this was really rare for me. Yeah. How'd it go? Well, <laughs> it went well, relatively well, but somebody else tossed in another little barb after I said my thing, like, 
I had tried to establish the boundary and then someone else tossed something in and that triggered somebody else. And then they got really angry and left. Left. And it was like, oh my God. And the game was done and everybody was like, yeah, what just happened? And wow. This, like, again, this doesn't, I had just that morning with the family talked about, I love how we just, we don't, we always, <laughs> we always get along. We never, yeah. somebody stormed out. And then it was kind of like this, we all had to kind of catch our breath and be like, okay, woo, that was harsh. And what do we want? And why did that happen? And who was responsible? And in what ways? But people were shaken up. Yeah. yeah. I had to do some avuncular comforting. Avuncular? What does that mean? means uh, having to do with uncles. Oh. I had to coach my nephews through some things. and Got it. And uh, hear what they had to say. And uh, checked in with my my mom and my stepmom, my yeah. sister. Like, is everybody doing okay? And I check in. I was shaken. shaken. I mean, I had just gone to this retreat. Um, on mindful communication up at Spirit Rock. And uh, Oren Sofer, who led the retreat, talked about how we get activated and then we need to get deactivated, right, yeah. by stress. Sometimes it's good. Even when you're excited about something, you're getting activated. But that what animals in the wild do when they need to decompress is like a zebra that's been just threatened will go off and just sit in a corner and shake. Yeah. And then for 25 minutes and then it's done. Mm-hmm. And I literally felt like I needed to do that. So I just... Stood up and was like pacing around. Yeah, just gotta work some of this off. Let it let it settle. <sighs> I kept taking big sighs. Yeah, so it was pretty trippy. Yeah, and then the rest the rest of the time felt kind of tender. But all of that is to say that in that moment I was like, should I say anything? Should I say anything? Should I say anything? And then eventually, after having done that internal Google search, I was like, yep, gotta speak up. But there were some serious. I, I find especially when I'm really emotional. I have a lot of filters because I like, I don't want to put crap on other people. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about that before. I want to make sure it's clean. Yeah. So I I think I, I am someone who chooses my words very carefully. And maybe I would do better to loosen up a bit that way. Uh-huh. And I actually felt freed a little bit by that. By letting that it expression. go. And it was along the lines of, I was at a meeting where I spoke up and got really passionate about something that I strongly disagreed with. And I had that same feeling afterwards of like, I need to just trembling a little bit. And yeah, but it was like, no, that was good. That's good. I think, I think I did. People know where I stand. Yeah. And that's where I stand. And let it be. I'm still wondering about my relationships with some of those people who are in that meeting. Mm -hmm. Like, do they feel okay about me? So the social approval thing still active. Yeah. But anyway, you know, the, those kinds of questions are, to me, questions of dealing with reactivity, right? Yeah. Like, the more I've been practicing mindfulness and studying it, the more I'm finding, like, in general, when I'm reactive or when other people are reactive, it's just not helpful. Yeah. In interpersonal scenarios, it just isn't helpful. It's usually, that's where blaming comes in. That's where judgment comes in. It's where misperception comes in. Yeah. It's, and it just builds layers of resentment. So I'm trying to catch that and 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 make a distinction between reactivity and sort of natural impulse. Mm-hmm. And so I think well, there's also there's also I think for me I rarely feel like lashing out. I rarely have a have a feeling of sort of like 
In fact, when I'm in sort of heated emotional times, I don't do a great job of filtering. Mm. <laughs> that has caused problems. <laughs> do you have an example you could share with us? Uh, no, I don't. But take my word for it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've witnessed it. I don't think you have. Mm-hmm. There's times in like heightened emotional moments where I don't. I don't do a lot of stopping and thinking about. Yeah, you you mentioned lashing out. Like some people, their reactivity is to hurt people. They have the intention to hurt. They want to hurt people. Yeah, to sort of sting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't sense that in myself. Yeah, me neither. Like I, I, I really. I don't want to deny my shadow, so maybe it's in there somewhere. I just generally don't have that impulse of, like, I want to hurt somebody. Yeah. Just to get them, you know, bring them down. I suppose I felt it every now and then, but it feels more like something that would build up over time rather than be in a moment. Yeah. But I just mean, like, lash, like, like, just be react, like, be reactive, sort of like out of control. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so let's consider the, the other direction then filtering coming in what does that mean to you if you talk about having a filter for your experience well i guess this is sort of like the like i guess you could call your filter your interpretation okay i'm thinking of a couple things with this filter going the other way yeah one is just the idea of a mindset uh-huh that we we've got this way of seeing the world that contains all of our assumptions what we think is true <clears throat> what we think is possible yeah and that what we allow in to to be seen is what will confirm that mindset. Uh-huh. Right. And so that, that confirmation bias of like, yep, if it doesn't fit that, we don't even see it. And so we don't have to expand our worldview. Right. And I used to teach our my kids that in religious studies. That was one of the first things we talked about was mindset. Yeah. And mindset and worldview. If you can't recognize that you have a worldview, you'll never be able to step out of it. And so there's that crucial thing of like being able to put it to the side and like, okay, I've at least got one. Mm-hmm. And then getting in with Carol Dweck's growth mindset, fixed mindset, and always starting my classes now with that notion of if you think you can't learn, you won't be able to learn. Yeah. Right? But I was reading a book by Chip and Dan Heath. Chip is a professor at the Graduate School of Business. Are they brothers? They are. Their website. It's so close to Chip and Dale. It is. And their website is called heathbrothers.com, I think, Hmm. which is appropriate. But they have a book called Decisive, How to Make Better Choices in Life and Work. Hmm. They're really clear thinkers, Mm -hmm. super helpful. They wrote a book called Made to Stick about sticky ideas, and they wrote a book called Switch about how you change people's minds and how you change your own mind. Anyway, they were talking about one of the things that gets in the way of making good decisions is confirmation bias. Mm Mm-hmm is that we only take in information that, that we uh, agrees, for. agrees with what we think already. Yeah. yeah. And you hear what you listen for. And you so see the, what you're looking for. Exactly. You get the yes, yes people around you. Yes, right. men, yes, women. And they were saying that business leaders who make the best decisions are those who actively seek out Counter. people who will contra- contradict them. Mm-hmm. And that it's not just that you're willing to put the contrarian opinion forward, but that you value that difference of opinion in itself. Mm-hmm. It's a noble thing to do to disagree when you actually do have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I'm so eager to try that out in my own life. Mm-hmm. 
because I have I very like strong opinions. I you do opinions. a good job of that. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's I cool. think so. I That's mean, just cool. like with, I mean, you've certainly talked about it before, but in the times when I've, when we've disagreed mm-hmm. on something, like you're all super welcoming to the input. Interesting. Okay, good. That's my experience anyway. Great. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of, for me, a lot of that comes out of the training that I did with uh, Amina Nolan. Yeah. The, ma- the Matrix, Matrix leadership. Yeah. yeah. And whereas I used to not like conflict because I, I didn't like people being upset, I've come to see it as like, oh, no, 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 well, let's frame this as the truth is larger than either of us. There's something really valuable in this moment Something's of disagreement. Happening. And we need these two opinions. And rather than turning away from it, tell me more about what you disagree with. Yeah. And not in a format of like debating who's right and yeah. who's going to win, but like you've got something to show and I've got something to show. So let's parse it out and peel it and unpack it. And then something else will emerge from the information. Yeah. So, and it takes both people n- not approaching it like a zero sum game. That's right. Yeah. But the more I've done that, the more exciting it be, the disagreement becomes. And so I actually, I think I applied a little bit of that in that conflict with my family. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, let's, you know, dad's got this opinion. Nephew's got this opinion. My sister's got this, like, let's bring them out. Mm-hmm. What does this show us? Mm-hmm. And to be able to hold that, again, holding that larger context. Yeah. But the that, truth is bigger than any of us. Not, not one of us holds the truth. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. So then how do we coach ourselves to, you know, challenge that confirmation bias, right? And uh-huh. Chip and Dan, he say that, like, you have to, number one, make it easier to disagree. So you have to get practice with when somebody disagrees with you, don't get reactive. Yeah. Don't get defensive. Oh, thank you for... Thank you for saying that. Let me consider that, right? Mm-hmm. And the more you do that, the, make, the more it makes it easier. And then not only make yourself more receptive, but then also ask for it, like to go out of your way and say, what do you disagree with? What in this proposal do you disagree with? Mm-hmm. So you're seeking it. And then um, the third is to consider the opposite. So even if nobody else is raising a disagreement, take the opposite point of view or the opposite assertion and explore what's true about that mm-hmm. before you lock into something. It's great. And that helps to make better decisions. I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by that notion. And I feel like that, that exor- those exercises, those suggestions that they're making are ways of opening up that filter that would remove information from coming in. You're saying, let me take a wider scope. And, you know, got, let it all in, let it all in. Yeah. When they were talking about the, uh, considering the opposite, one of the examples they used was of dating and how usually you might go on a date with somebody first date. You're like, nope, mm-hmm. eh, that person's done. What if yes? And then you, they're like, well, what if you go out again? Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of considering the opposite. Yeah. You think you're that person's a no, but. It was something that some stat like 20 to 30% of spouses, the female spouses, didn't like their male spouse when they first met them. Interesting. Like, okay, it's only 20 to 30. It's not everybody, but right. it's a significant. About 30%. Number. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that's cool about that with connects to an improv mindset of this is worth playing with. Mm. Like your filter, your, your, the, the, your incoming filter is yes, I want what you have. Mm, I right. want to play with what you bring to me. Yeah, the default. The filter. default is yes. 
is like, yeah, you have something brilliant. Mm -hmm. You are brilliant. That's the filter, right? That we try to, yeah. your partner's brilliant. So what, what's coming in is exactly the right thing. And it takes away the sort of evaluative, right? So like dating, what if you, the, the default on a first date is, of course, I'm going to see this guy again. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's less removing the filter than replacing it. Mm -hmm. So then you look for the, the information that confirms that bias. Yeah. And it changes the experience. Like maybe that makes the experience more like one you want to have. Right. Mm. It's interesting. And then that raises the question, is there such a thing as removing a filter? And is it not an authentic experience because you're filtering it through a filter of, I'm going to like this? Versus no filter at all, whatever that means, versus I'm probably not going to like this. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, is your experience. Is I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. Because you kind of have to have a filter. You have to have some. I mean, some, you, you just have a filter. Right. I think. I mean, I think. Well, I, what would I, it mean to have no... so many thoughts right now, yeah. To like, to like no interpretation or no... Right? I'm I'm thinking of again of Buddhism of like, like objective the goal of simply being aware of what's true, and that in order to do that you ha you need to identify what are the biases or assumptions that would get in the way of that. And you say okay, can I suspend those or soften them so I get closer to the truth of what's actually happening? I just wonder if there's a truth. It's a great question. Because like there's filters we're aware of, and there's filters we're not aware of. There's filters we have control over, and there's filters that I'm not, I don't know. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. we have control over them. There's filters that society has implanted in us. Sure. And you know. Well, even like on a physical level of certain frequencies we're going to hear and we're not going to hear. Right. Did you know that as you get older, it's harder to hear high-pitched frequencies? No. I went to the, what's the science museum up at the waterfront? Exploratorium. Yeah. With my nephew. Cool. And they had this display of, can you hear this pitch? Can you hear this pitch? And he could hear stuff. I was like, no, there's not. That's just silence. <laughs> He's like, no, that's not silence. There is definitely a sound. Wow. Like, no, I can't hear anything. Yeah. So that's like a, a physical filter. I don't think that sound ex exists. You're right. Yeah. Because I'm not registering. Your body it. has filtered that out. Right. But the mm. idea of like, right, so, 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 you, so you have a cynical, so you're, you take a cynic and you replace their cynical filter with optimism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does it need to be accurate or does it need... Is, and what's is accurate, it, I guess, right? right? And like, is it better to have it be enjoyable or productive or helpful or... Like maybe that's the metric that you make the decision on. Yeah. Right? Well, I guess it's just you just, you make the decision based on your experience, but whatever the decision is... I mean, and there's different kinds of decisions. Uh-huh. Yeah. And some are more data-driven, can be more data-driven than others. Right. And you want to use the data when you have the data, you know, which humans don't, right? Yeah. Like humans are sort of irrational decision makers. But but what the idea of, like, I think I get in trouble sometimes when I sort of try to find the right answer mm -hmm. outside of my experience of the moment. Mm -hmm. I sort of try to apply a filter of reasonability on my experience so that I can evaluate my experience and decide whether it's an appropriate experience to be having. Oh, wow. Right? Like whether it's an yeah. appropriate emotional experience to be having of this thing. And I, and I was talking to my therapist and he was like, well, the why doesn't really matter, right? It's like, well, here's what I'm feeling, but I'm trying to figure out why that is. 
And he's like, yeah, why might not help you yeah. right now? Why sometimes helps if it's like, oh, I'm getting triggered right. because of this thing. That's why, that's why the strength, that's why my ex- emotional experience is so strong. And then I can choose to let that trigger go or, to, you know, right. ideally. But, uh, but my, the reason I was asking why, why am I feeling that way? is to sort of explain and then be able to transcend right. my emotional experience of it. And it's like, no, this is Go your experience it. of it. Yeah. This is how you feel. You know what you want and you know how you feel. It, I'm thinking of that the why also might be helpful in considering what are my, what are my filters. If my filters are creating this experience, mm-hmm. right? If, I, if my filter says that uh, my family is going to exclude me, and then I keep looking for evidence. And then I feel excluded. And then I feel excluded. It might make sense to say, why Why am I always feeling this way? Well, it's because I'm looking for evidence to prove it. Mm-hmm. You were just talking about the... It's funny because we're kind of flipping back and forth between the two sides of these filters. Yeah. Internal and external. Like Internal input, external, output. Because you're talking about what, what are you getting reactive to? Right? So you're like pausing to notice. Yeah. And the image I have is like a big dam... With these big, huge screens, uh, you know, to yeah. keep, let water through, and let, uh, there's, you know, some dams that the water comes back in at one time a day and then goes out the other direction the other time yeah. a day. So you have to have, you just pick up one screen, put it out, clean it out, wash it out. I love that idea of like cleaning a filter. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Because the filter has done a good job of catching crap. Right. But in order for it to keep... you got to get the crap out of gotta there. you got to take it out, clean the crap, put the filter back in. Yeah. But why not Why not wear rose-colored gloves? I mean, we talked about this on our Power of Positivity episode. Yeah. If it's going to be more... I think if it's going to be more fun and it's going to be more healing and it's going to be more productive, you know, it's like, do you believe in God or not? And, and maybe we talked about this too, but Life of Pi. Mm-hmm. Story Life of Pi by Jan Martel. The main question at the end of the book is like, which of these two versions of a story are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the rationalistic, mechanistic, you know, we're randomly here and acting out fate? Or not fate, that's the wrong word. Uh, a random collision of objects and events? Or is this, you know, some magical experience that's created with God and, you know, some partnership with God? Either could be true. Maybe both can be true. Maybe both can be true. Which one do you want to believe? Yeah. Which is going to serve you better? Which is going to make the world a better place to live in? And so, I think... Yeah, and in that in that case, there is no right answer. There's no way to prove one is true and the other one is oh, not right. true. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no objectively... Right? The, the place where rose-colored glasses, I guess, can be criticized is when... Yeah, it puts you in denial of something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of some true thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. But if it's a spin, if it's just putting a positive spin on whatever input you have. Right. Part of, yeah, it could be spin or it could also be what evidence do you look for? Yeah. I keep thinking about climate change. The same way. It's just, we're totally screwed. Anything else on that? No, I how, how, how does that how does that connect with with our topic of the day? Not that that's not true. I you know. I'm not actually sure. It seems related, but I don't know. Well, I I okay. So 
one of the ways I think of that is, yeah, I'm pretty upset about what's happened to the planet. And I can look for evidence to confirm that we're totally screwed. Mm -hmm. That's pretty easy pickings. And you can also look for... But yeah, there's also evidence to suggest... Places of positive change. There's some hope. Yeah. And some things that are happening that have never happened before. And, you know, the darkness seems pretty strong right now. Yeah. But, but but also with our political like our political situation, it was it was pretty dark. I mean, it's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of darkness, and there is a lot of hope mm-hmm. right now. Like it's very, I'm just thrilled that there are things that I can look at on the news and actually be legitimately excited about. Mm-hmm. And there were people who kept that going kept through that the going. through the dark. That's right. You know. All right, tell me, what are, name me five different kinds of filters. Water filters, air filters, um, filters on my uh, dehumidifier, um, filters, uh, uh, pool filters, mm-hmm. um, and d- drinking like Brita water filters. Great, okay. Uh, I've got coffee filters. Oh, yeah. I've got baleen filters on the front of a whale. Oh, great. I've got... Um, the the FCC filter, like what gets out of the, the seven second delay between what gets, what happens and what gets broadcast out to the world. Oh. Like, you know, networks have this filter for like language. Mm. Um, and then there's uh, <laughs> uh, probably there's a filter like in a in an automobile. Yeah. A, a gas filter. <laughs> Somewhere. Oil filter. Air filter. I yeah. think there's an air filter. There's an air filter. There's an oil filter. And um, there's a filter at the tip of a cigarette with a oh, super a long filter. cigarettes. Oh, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. Great. Name me five people who... Hold on. I just had a thought. Okay. About the baleen filter. Yeah. Because they the like take... Yeah, the whale. Because they like take in everything and then they expel what they don't want. Mm-hmm. But they get to keep what they want. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of like, we're taking in everything and we just hang on to what serves us and we expel the rest of it. Mm. Taking everything in the world. Okay. I read, I watched a little video today that was posted on Facebook and it was this like Indian guy with a long white beard. He was very guru like, and he was sort of holding court on an idea of the idea of saying yes Mm. and how you have to, the, um, you have to have, you can't say yes to everything in the world, but you have to have a smaller world where it's safe to say yes. Hmm. It was really beautiful. It felt very improv And it made me think of the way that I teach in improv where you, you need to, where, wherever you go, find a little, find little pockets of culture where you can be your full self. Mm. The, the whole world is not going to support that, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to woohoo your failures and they're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, but if you can find little places where you know it's safe, hmm. then you get to, then you get to keep fanning that flame. Internally, yeah, lovely. And he was talking about how an open door, he goes, you open your door, the devil may come in, but the divine may come in. Right. You you keep your door closed, you keep the devil out, but you keep the divine out. Yep. And what a sad life that would be. Yeah. It's just really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's so simple, but the idea so of like, true. let it all in and then show out the things that you don't like. Right. Instead of keeping everything out. Love it. Like it go, it does go both ways. Yeah. Take it all in and then fill and then send send back the stuff you don't want. Baleen whale. Yeah. Sucking it in. 
but I think it's like wide open mouth takes it in mm-hmm. because the all the krill needs to get in. Right. And then all the water needs to go out. Yeah. Keeping the krill inside. What's your krill? Yo, keep it krill. What's your krill, people? Keep your krill in there. Love it. That's my thought. On it, on your filters. On the on the yeah. The baleen whale filter. Yeah. Whale, whale, whale. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was I going to, uh, oh, uh, name me five types of people that you wish had better filters. Donald Trump. Uh-huh. People who talk too much in meetings. Mm-hmm. People who uh, don't recognize that they're the only ones who talk. Mm. People who have volume control issues. <laughs> people, <laughs> that's four, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, people, and finally... I wish there were better filters on people who don't say anything at all. Oh, so the better filter might be a more open filter. Yeah. Oh, that's Within, a nice curveball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People who who hold who shine hide their light under a bushel. Right. Get that bushel out of there. Yeah. It's lost something kind it's of crucial. Too strong of a filter. Okay. Nice. Filtering your light out of the rest of the world. We need that light. Yeah, we need that light. Stop filtering. Yeah. Five people I wish had better filters. Yeah. Uh, racists. Um, pedophile priests. Uh-huh. Oh, on their actions. Yes. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, or... You, yeah, don't um, do that. Trollers on the internet. Great. And um, do I need two more? I do need two more. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, dogs that bark. And That's funny, wishing the dog had a filter. Yes, there are some dogs that are like, shut up. Yeah. And my my obstreperous neighbor. Great. He's just obnoxious. It's the, the funny thing about the dog is it, it, it then suggests that dogs who don't bark as much are 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 stifling their instinct. <laughs> like they're like, mm, is now the right time? No, it's not really the right time. Is this a truthful bark? Does this... Do I need this to bark? doesn't need to be barked. No. I don't need to bark right now. <laughs> I, I would love a dog that did that. <laughs> well, you're not a dog person. No. When a dog doesn't bark often, and then when it does, I'm like, cool. I can dig that. Mm-hmm. I'm all right with that. Yeah. But if it's just the default. You don't like it. I don't know. Sure. I'm into it. Sure. All right. Anything else? Can't think of anything. Your filter's strong. I don't know that I don't feel like I'm filtering. You just there's nothing behind the filter. Yeah. Do you need to take any more baleen? Any I mean not baleen krill. Gulp. We're drawing a blank, people. <laughs> this is really weird. It this feels is a, really weird. We're, we've stumbled on the rare experience <laughs> of Lisa. She, I not suggested this to topic. I got nothing to say. <laughs> I've got a great topic. <laughs> Hopefully, people, you enjoyed listening Wait, to me. Wait, hold on. I thought of another on. kind of filter. Although Joel Bloom is going to be like, Ted, shut the <laughs> Ted, hell up. <laughs> Stop with your pontificating, Ted. I'm like, Lisa's not saying anything. i got to say Someone's something. Someone's got to say something. <laughs> She's given me nothing. <laughs> Help a brother out. Yeah, no. I'm going to make phone a friend. I'm Joel Bloom, you no- what do you have to Joel say about filters? <laughs> another filter I thought of was the hair trap. Oh, yes. In the shower. Yes. Keeps the pipes clean. Absolutely. And then I thought, okay, so this is an input filter. That's correct. And in putting it into the, you're putting it in the pipe. And then it's like, okay, so how do you, 
I think that one of the things we need we that is very important for sort of us as people right now to do is put in place appropriate filters to keep our systems clean. Uh, and specifically, I'm talking sort of how do you keep yourself in working order in the face of like a lot of crap out there. Mm. And part of that is political, right? There's always some horror horror show happening. So how do you take, how do you see it without letting it gum up your system? Mm-hmm. Like I right now am once again struggling with screen time. Mm-hmm. I'm just like taking in a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's not leaving me with a clean system. So I need to filter some of that. I need, yeah, how to, I need you, to put a hair trap. On your information. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you balance that out with making sure that you get enough information to stay up to date and yeah. nimble with what's actually going on? Concern, concerned citizen. Yeah. Want to know what's up. Mm-hmm. I cannot spend my life taking, take like reading headlines or articles about right. horrible things happening. So. Yeah. Fascinating. The hair trap filter analogy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not an analogy I'm likely to come up with. Trademarked. I, yeah, well, you and I are different in that right? respect. Yeah. Okay. I think let's, I'm done. Let's close I this I think the well way. might have started out dry. Well, might have started out dry. We'll close it out. All right. saying nothing (laughs) there it was everybody (laughs) that's our episode on filters that's our episode on filters our curious romp through the world of through the worlds of worlds of filtration Mm -hmm. all different sorts of filtration um what are you leaving with i really liked the game of listing five different kinds of filters and then figuring out which ones have some metaphorical yeah it was nice to just start with the kinds and then be like well what does that have to say yeah that's cool. And I also like this idea of filters that work both ways. And you got to clean out your filters. Right. I don't know exactly what how that maps onto real life, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm leaving with this notion. Of, okay, so there are filters for information we take in and experience we take in. And sometimes we are missing valuable stuff. Yeah. So that's one direction. The other direction, there are filters we put out to frame what people see of us, what we're willing to share. And I'm intrigued by this notion of, could that be the same filter? Like, right, we, we didn't necessarily talk about this, but the, the image of removing a filter to clean out the screen. Yeah. And then replacing it, I'm like, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's the but same. What does it even mean that right. it's the same thing? Right, I don't know. So I'm kind of fascinated to think about this huh. further. Cool. Uh, and I also want to go back and look at my life and be like, okay, what are my filters? How do I clean them out? You know, what needs to get scrubbed down, yeah. rinsed out. Or removed. And then it feels like, ooh, now there's all this more energy and information moving through because I've cleaned out the assumptions and the gunk and the, the blindnesses and the assumptions. Yeah. You know, so like, ah, more information, better information means a better life mm-hmm. in general. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited about that. Cool. Yeah. Anything going on that you need to let people know about? I got bunches of shows. Okay. Got loads of shows coming up. All here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, mostly. We got one down in Santa Cruz. Improv Playhouse is planned down in Santa Cruz. 
in February, but then we're back in San Francisco in April, and in the meantime, I've got loads of Bats shows. Great. I just got cast in the Valentine's, special Valentine's Day show, mm. which will be really fun. Bring your date. Improv.org. Improv.org, or at least Roland.com. Okay. We'll give you all Even. of the information. Yeah, great. And I'm playing up in Occidental in a couple of weeks. I'm playing up in the North Bay, so if you're in the North Bay, you can come up and see that. Um, it might not be on purpose. It might just be Occidental. It might be. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so loads uh, of shows. Nice. Uh, for me, I am teaching a playful mindfulness class through Stanford Continuing Studies in March. Oh, great. So if somebody's interested in that, I, I might be sold out, but there's definitely a waiting list if it is. Uh, and then I'm also going to be teaching a class called The Right to Speak, Finding and Freeing Your Natural Voice. Mm. That's going to be down in Woodside starting in mid-February. Great. So if you're interested in that, come check out animalearning.com. And I'm going to have some information up there about that or get in touch with me. And I also want to let people know that, like, the book is inching ever closer. Yay! Manuscript is pretty much finished and now finalizing title and, like, talking with cover artists. And so a book based on this very podcast Hopefully going to be out in the spring yeah. or summer at the latest. So, so cool. It's so cool. Stay tuned for more on that because oh I'm God. super excited to get that to you. Yeah. And uh, and then, oh, you know what we need to do, Lisa Roland? We need to cook up a date for our... Retreat. Retreat. I know it. People have asked. People have asked and, uh, you know, hey. We got nothing to tell them. Good stuff to do. So yeah. keep a look out. Keep the pressure on us. Send us a note. Badger us. If you, if you want it, let us know. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we could cook it up to meet your specifications. Yeah, cool. So, right on. Okay. Uh, that was some nice plug-in. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Always. If you want to send us a note. And uh, otherwise, be well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.